Considering the recollection of your faith without pretense, a faith that lived first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, now I'm persuaded that faith lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to reignite the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but one of power and of love and of self-control. Be not ashamed then of the testimony of our Savior or of me, Christ's prisoner. Rather, share in suffering for the sake of the gospel. Do so through the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, rather according to God's own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Now it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who negated death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Amen. Happy New Year, y'all. It's 2024, I'm wearing a mask like it's three years ago. But thank goodness for health technology. I am, as some of you more familiar with my voice may be able to hear, recovering from a, um, uh, a cold um, that, that hung out with me through the whole holidays. Um, so I apologize for that. I'm gonna keep my tea close and my mask closer. Um, I also want to let everybody know that we are having a no stupid questions soon. Um, now, if you've been around long enough, you may remember that No Stupid Questions is a rapid fire um, sermon entry where we go through um, as many as 20 questions um, in the span of a single sermon. So uh, I want to start collecting people's people's questions, people's concerns. Um, you can do that. Um, you can always do that by, there should be a number. Do we have a number um, that we can throw up on the bottom corner of the screen? Um, great. So you can, uh, if you want, you can always text any sermon questions there. Um, but today or in the future, if you've got a no stupid questions question that may or may not be related to the sermon, um, but just any questions you have about faith, the Bible, community, um, spirituality, um, text it with no stupid questions or NSQ um, to that number and we'll add it to the list. Um, we can also start a post in the squad page and start collecting questions there. Um, but it's a fun, high energy way to get through a bunch of stuff. Um, and you can also just like pass me your questions written on a piece of paper if you want as well. Um, if you'd like to leave something anonymously, you can throw it on a connection card and put it in the hat during offering. But for today, yesterday was epiphany, which obviously all of us totally know, and we know what it is, and why it's called epiphany. None of us are hearing about this for the first time. <laughs> epiphany is a day in the Christian calendar, and it's, it's not a super... Um, celebrated one in popular culture. Um, and so if, if you've never heard of it, no worries. Um, it's actually the culmination of Christmas. Anybody know that, that song, The 12 Days of Christmas? Five gold rings. You guys were all supposed to join me in that. <laughs> Leave me up here with my sick voice singing. All right, well, 
there are actually 12 days of Christmas. Um, Christmas as a season is that long and it culminates in Epiphany, which is um, the, the celebration of the time when the mystics from the East actually made it to Jesus and visited Jesus and they were like, oh my gosh, this is God. <laughs> and like they, they knew, they weren't like to- totally caught off guard. That's what they were hoping for, but it's still kind of a big deal that they, they realized who God was. And, and this is, you know, related to our word epiphany. We think about the word epiphany in our common culture and, and it means like a light bulb going off moment kind of a thing, right? Um, one of the ways it's defined is an intuitive grasp of reality through something simple, a truth revealed sort of in the mundaneness of everyday life. And what really struck me about this when I was thinking through um, the message for today and the text is that, you know, we spent all of Advent, all of those weeks leading up to Christmas, talking about the announcements. Our series, Hark, was about the ways that God was speaking to us, was telling us true things, was, was announcing the arrival of Jesus. And here Jesus is, after all of these announcements, pronouncements, all of these, um, you know, offerings of, of truth, here is truth embodied. God revealed in the simplicity of a human person, Jesus of Nazareth. And so we have in this time of epiphany an appreciation for the way that God shows up in the simplicity of life, the way that we can recognize divinity in things that seem so simple but are these light bulb moments where we recognize we have an intuitive grasp of reality We understand divinity in this moment through the simple everyday lives that we lead. And there are a couple of texts that were offered in the lectionary today. By the way, we're back in the lectionary, if that means anything to you. Uh, For the time being, we are in year B. But we still are being led by Will Gaffney, a womanist scholar, uh, and her takes um, on what all these texts mean. The text for today from 2 Timothy, which is, I'll be honest, kind of a controversial book. Uh, The text for today is about that epiphany, that intuitive grasp of reality that comes from recognizing God in oneself, the spirit of God alive in you. In the same way that we can make all of these pronouncements that the angels can come and tell us about God, but then we have a whole different experience when we meet Jesus face to face in the manger, in the countryside. We have a different experience when we look in the mirror and we see the image of God in ourselves. God, God's glory, God's goodness revealed in the very spirit that you have. Now, in this text, talking about God and the revelation of God in Jesus, there's a line, a line that uh, has been really important to me throughout my life. It says, for God did not give you a spirit of cowardice, but one of power and of love and of self-control. Now, that spirit of fear Uh, that spirit of cowardice. A lot of times this text is translated as God did not give you a spirit of fear or God did not give you a spirit of timidity. But Gaffney makes a really important note here that the the Greek that's there, Deilia, is not fear. She says, fear is not a failing. It is a natural and healthy response. 
It is harmful to tell folks not to feel what they feel. What matters is how folk respond to fear, right? So after a season of being told, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, and trying to understand, you know, what does that mean, right? What the angels were saying was don't live out of fear, don't choose out of fear. And here again, we have another, we have another invitation. We have another memory of who we are. We are a people who can be afraid. That's totally logical and, and important and real in our bodies. We've been given the mechanisms to become afraid. That is a God-given gift. But we have not been given a spirit of cowardice. Cowardice is a response to fear that turns away. Cowardice is a response to fear that goes internal, that says, I must be concerned first and foremost, only and ever with my own survival. Cowardice says, I am in this alone. But we've not been given a spirit of cowardice. We have been given a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Now, I know my attachment to this verse comes from an earlier time in my life. Like I can feel it in my bones that this is something that means something really deep to me that comes from a place kind of beyond rationality. Has anybody ever encountered this verse before? A few, a few have. This is a verse that when I was, um, you know, 19, 20 years old, I used to write on the bottom of my Chuck Taylors in permanent marker. And I would do that because at that time I felt like I had nothing else to stand on. This was a time in my life where I was newly clean. Some of you know that I really struggled in my adolescence with a lot of depression and trauma and addiction. And I had been using drugs, in particular using IV heroin, in, in many ways to survive and in other ways to flirt with death. The point at which I decided to become clean was, was also the point at which I decided to try and be alive. Right? I wanted to face my life. I wanted to find a way to live and to live well. I knew in that moment that I needed more than what I had. Now, I didn't think that that was because I was so little, so small, but because I knew that there was a God of the universe. I mean, I knew that if there wasn't, I was in trouble. <laughs> I knew that I needed the power that came through that spirit that I had been dimmed to. I had forgotten who I was, and I felt like I only had the resources of the world around me, the crumbling, on fire, threatening world around me to survive, and I knew that wasn't enough. I needed something more. I needed my God. But I also needed that spirit, that spirit of power and love and self-discipline that felt so far from me. I felt like such a screw-up. I felt so incapable. But I wanted, I wanted to live. I wanted to want to live. I wanted to look forward to my days and years ahead. I wanted to show up for this life. Now, I don't know what you have coming into 2024. Maybe 2023 was like a really good one for you. Maybe you're like riding the highs of some real victories. Anybody not feeling that way? I'd say a majority of hands just went up, right? 
2023, maybe it was your year, maybe it wasn't. For me, 2023 started out all right and ended really rough, really rough. And wherever you are in that spectrum, for most of us, the beginning of a new year offers us kind of a clean slate, a new start, a new chapter. And we have a set of choices of how to make, how to, how to face this new chapter, how to approach it. With what spirit do we enter 2024? Do we enter it with the spirit of the world, which is one of scarcity and competition and terror? Or do we enter it with the spirit of God, the spirit alive in us, the spirit of God revealed in us, that epiphany, that grasp of true reality that is in your very being, the power, the love, the self-discipline that faces whatever fears you might rightly have. I can't be up here telling you 2024 is gonna be a cakewalk. The context of this letter is that the author is writing from prison saying like, yeah, I know, you know, I'm suffering. Join me, we'll suffer together. But God didn't give you a spirit of cowardice to run away from this. God gave you a spirit of power. God gave you a spirit of love. God gave you a spirit of self-discipline. So we've got this, whatever this is. This text is an invitation when you feel like you have nothing else to stand on, to stand on the spirit that God has given you, one of capacity and capability. We talk a lot here about how you are good, that you are lovable, that you are loved. That is the message too often lost in the world and especially in the church. Too many people and preachers are willing to tell you that you are trash, that you are ultimately sinful and bad. We don't believe that here. We believe that the image of God alive in you is what makes you good. We believe that you are chosen by God, that you are loved by God, and that the imprint of your goodness is stronger, more permanent, and more real than any mistakes or wounds or harms or sins that may also be a part of your being. And this text reminds me, you are not just good, you are powerful. You are not just inherently worthy, you are capable. You are not just loved, you are a force for love in this world. That is the spirit that God has given to each of us. And when you can't stand on anything else, you can stand on that. Now, breaking these down, what exactly does the author mean by power and love and self-discipline? Power in this context also means strength. I think of it as agency. When I look at the world and I think so much of this is beyond me, the power in me says, but not this, not that. You can have power. You strong in this moment. You can impact the world around you. There is something in this lifetime that only you can do. We know that our God does not sit back and watch us. We know that our God does not intervene with a heavy hand. What God does do is invite each and every one of us to be a part of kingdom building, of empire overthrowing, of revolutionizing through love. You have a part to play in that. You have a power that is unique to you. There is a mission of love 
in this lifetime that only you can fulfill. God has given you a spirit of power. Let's jump to self-discipline. That's the one that sounds a little harsh, right? That one sounds a little too New Year's resolution-y. Self-discipline. I'll go to the gym five days a week, I promise. That's not what this means. The modern church is all too happy to make that like an individual, you know, grind, hustle, energy kind of a thing. This, but, but the modern church loves to forget about Greek philosophy. Greek philosophy is the context in which this sentence has been written. And self-discipline, self-control, these ways that are translated into English, they have all of these American capitalist overtones, but they come from ancient Greece. And the idea here, the word is sophronismos. Sophronismos. And it, in Greek philosophy, it's about, um, it would often be translated as like temperance or moderation. It was actually a, a really, really fundamental part of, of, of the Greek concept of a good life. Socrates, Plato, they were all over this. They were like, you, to have temperance, to have moderate, moderation is to understand one's limits. It's to show up, but in ways that understand the self. It's kind of a self-awareness, right? I know where I end and the world begins. What I love about this in relation to Christian theology is that that word, sophronismos, has the same root as the word sophia, which is wisdom. Temperance is the wisdom to know oneself, to know one's power and to know one's limits. And sophia is the hidden fourth element of the Trinity. Anybody ever read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? It's a great trilogy, all five books. And that's part of the joke, right? There's, there's five books in this trilogy. Well, the Hitchhiker's Guide got it from the church because there are really four parts to the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. Sophia. Sophia who is understood in the Psalms and the Proverbs to be God. Wisdom which is made manifest in our bodies. Wisdom is a very intimate expression of God because it is the God at, who is, is in us, with us, who helps us navigate our daily lives. It is the God that shows up in our discernment and our understanding of the self and one another. This expression of God is intimate and feminine and wise. So if we understand Wisdom, that power of God reflected in us from that Socratic understanding of, of knowing where one's power extends and where it ends, then we have between power and self-discipline essentially the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Power is our courage and ability to change the things we can. And self-discipline, or sophronismos, is the wisdom to see when we cannot and to accept it. This balance of understanding one's power in the world and one's place in the world. That I am part of something enormous. 
and that is holy and good, that I submit myself to the enormity of creation and I say I am dependent on the choices of infinite other actors and my choices matter, my power matters, my mission matters in this life and I have the ability to affect change. And finally, in our spirit anchoring all of this is love. We know from elsewhere in the scriptures that we can have all the power we want, we can have all the temperance we want, but if we don't have love, we are a clanging gong, an obnoxious symbol, just loudly banging through life without purpose. But we're not. Because at the core of who you are, the spirit that resides within you is a spirit of love. This is the guiding force behind our power. This is the guiding force behind our wisdom. This is the so what behind everything we have the capacity to do. This is the to what end. Love is what fuels us, but love is also what guides us. And so with all of this context in mind, I wanna bring you back to that verse. For God did not give you a spirit of cowardice, but of power and love and self-discipline. You might be afraid this year. You might be afraid of your future, of your present. That makes sense. God gave you the ability to see the threats that lie ahead. But God didn't give you a spirit that runs from that fear. God didn't give you a spirit that cowers and hides. God gave you a spirit that looks in the face of fear and knows the self. God gave you a spirit that knows your power. God gave you a spirit that knows your limits. And God gave you a spirit that is guided first, foremost, and always by love. We can face everything that comes this way with hope. With hope for a future that is worth stepping boldly into. Now, we can only do this if we are tapped in to that spirit. And so much of our lives, so much of the world around us mutes that spirit within us, dampens it, hides it from us, distracts us. And so we are called to tap back in, to find that spirit, to stoke that flame within us. And this is what the author tells the recipient in this letter. We have to bring that spirit back into light. There are images of fire, of coals, of stoking the coals so that something comes into a burning flame. We need to make that, that ember that can never be put out, that spirit that is always somewhere within you. We need to make that coal, that ember into a roaring fire. The spirit of God alive in you, directing you, giving you power, love, self-discipline, hope, helping you face what comes with courage and joy and community. And how do we do that? How do we stoke that fire? How do we come alive to the truth in us, the epiphany, that grasp of reality, that truth, that simple truth of who we are? How do we find it? The author says, for this reason, I remind you to reignite that gift of God that is within you through the laying on of hands. 
The laying on of hands is this image. The author reminds the recipient, I laid my hands on you. We prayed to God. We stoked that fire together. You remembered who you are. Laying on of hands is something specific. It is when someone prays for you with their hand on your body. But all that is is a ritual of remembering, a ritual of coming alive. It is something that requires connection. The laying on of hands is a ritual that requires community because you cannot do that particular ritual alone. It requires trust, trust in that community, trust in God and trust in the spirit within you to reveal itself. And it is a ritual of memory. Who am I? At the core of me, what is my spirit? Trusting, remembering, finding, seeking out that spirit of God, of power, love, self-discipline, so that it might burn brightly within each of us. This is my invitation to you, entering into this year, to enter in with full knowledge of who you are, of the power you have, of your place in the universe, and of the love that grounds and guides you as you make choices about how to live. If you can stand on nothing else this season, stand on the spirit that God gave you, not a spirit of cowardice, but of power, of love, and self-discipline. Will you pray with me? Good and holy God, you are with us. The good times, the bad times, the bland. God, May your spirit come alive in each of us. May we find those rituals, those moments. May we look in the mirror and see your face. May we lay hands on one another and stoke the fires of your spirit within us. May we reignite our hope for the future by remembering who you have made us to be. God, may your love guide us. May your power overtake us. May we move powerfully in the world. And God, may we always have the wisdom to understand our place, to understand our interdependence on one another, and to throw in our trust with you, with your creation, with your goodness. God, you have good things in store for us. You want our flourishing and not our demise. God, you have promised us so much May we look to the future with power. May we look to the future with hope. And may we come alive knowing that our spirit is your spirit alive in us. That we are not just good, but we are agents of love on a mission that only we can fulfill. God, you are good. Burn brightly within us now and forever. Amen.